Hey there, Zlatko here. Welcome to What Is My Brain podcast. Thanks for tuning in. I get the opportunity to chat with fellow founders and business operators about their journey and how they got to where they are now, where they are going and how they're going to get there. I'm planning on bringing guests and touching on topics such as running multiple businesses, executing ideas, and just spitballing about random topics and current events. It's a casual conversation, and that will hopefully bring value to anyone that decides to listen. I hope you enjoy it. Thanks for tuning in. Cool. My man Kenny is here. Uh, like I said just before we uh, before we started, man, um, glad to have you here. Been connected for a little while. Um, thanks to the awesome world of Twitter, which you've taken uh, to to different levels, man. From the time we started, you 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 definitely. Uh, Steamboated ahead, and I love what, love what you're doing, man. You've you've caught a good uh, drift on everything. You've got the sauce, you know, starting to get it figured out, and all this. So I love seeing the growth, man. So I wanted to give you, you know, the floor to introduce yourself and uh, what you do, and then, like you said, uh, let's just uh, shoot the shit and talk about everything. Cool. I'm I'm uh, I'm excited. So my name's Kenny. Um, I've been in marketing for over ten years. I started in political consulting, a, a small firm here in Southern California. Uh, and doing some digital work there. From there, I moved to doing paid media for a, co- a company that sold cell phone cases. We we would buy them off like Alibaba or AliExpress and then resell them. Our only competitive advantage in that biz was our direct response marketing. We crushed it. So we'd see new competitors pop up and then they'd go away in six months because they just couldn't afford or couldn't figure out how to keep their cost per order as low as we we could. Um, really cut my teeth there. Was, I think it's the perfect training ground for learning uh, digital marketing, especially performance marketing. Um, mm-hmm. so while I was there, I started the BI department and learned all like all about Python and databases and coding, and then moved back and and before I left was running both BI and marketing. Um, challenge there was that, like I said, we we're we had no brand. We were just buying cases off uh, AliExpress and then reselling them, which meant if the marketing team just was feeling under the weather for a day or a few key people were absent, the performance for the whole business started to tank. There's nothing you could rest on. Um, I, I had a, I had a, a son while I was there and I didn't want to live that life anymore right. um, as I was like growing a family. So I wanted a business that had a strong value prop that if you read a, a case study on it, like in business school or now maybe in a Twitter thread, you'd be like, oh yeah, that makes sense. This business yeah. is going to do well. I wanted to join that business and then take their performance from here to here. But then even without me, they were going to grow and succeed. And that's what we found. I've been at, uh, with Mint Mobile where I've been for the last four and a half years and, uh, and that's been awesome. I mean, Ryan Reynolds bought in as an owner in like two years ago, and that's been fun to see. And the whole team has just been growing and growing. I'm still, I, I, I was hired. I was the first person hired on the e-com team, one of three working on the brand. Now there's like 150 people working on the brand. My team's like 25 people large and we're still hiring all the time. So, you know, if we talk about what, what I'm focused on, a big chunk of that is building a kick-ass e-commerce team that, that like develops killer insights about customers and then acts on mm-hmm. them to grow sales. That's amazing. That's amazing, dude. And and uh, quick question for you: What sort of drove you directly to like the ecom space? Was it just the nature of like the the work you had, or were you? Right. Is this something that you actually like really wanted to apply for and and, and do? Because uh, I, I mean, I think it's an amazing space. Obviously, I'm I'm, I'm in it too. But I'd love to know how yeah. you kind of got into that. Yeah, so I got into it. I remember my my girlfriend and wife was in a master's program for anthropology, and I went to a conference with her, and they were like it was the first time I'd seen academic studies and research papers presented, and got a chance to talk to people about them afterwards. And she was focused on evolutionary anthropology, so trying to explain human behavior through the lens of our evolutionary past. And then 
I was like, oh shit, there's, there's a formula for this, for how people behave and why they behave in certain ways. And mm-hmm. then, and then, so that was exciting all on its own. And then I saw, uh, not just e-commerce, but digital marketing in general with the tight feedback loops where it's like, oh, okay. So you can have a test a hypothesis and with like very, very little effort, high leverage, put that out in the world and see if it changes behavior. And then the mm-hmm. thing I love then and love now is like a day of work could could generate could could bring in sales for the next two years. Right, uh, it's a, right. It's a super high leverage opportunity. Whereas if you have if you're just doing like direct mailing, like the political consulting firm I was working for, you do you do a mailing, it's super successful, you make a bunch of money, and then you start from scratch and you do it again. Uh, with right, building right. stuff on the web, it lasts forever. And the same has gone for content since I've been on Twitter the past few months. You built you write the content and then you have it, even if it doesn't do well, or you're not happy with the performance, you have it now because it's built. And next time you want to use it, it doesn't take as much effort. Yeah, absolutely. And then just doing the, you know, in the future, if you want to test out something, just do little tweaks, little little changes here and there. And you see if that, uh, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, we do it uh, uh, on my side as well, right? So on the taco side, we uh, all the time, or we go one thing for a client, then we do the A-B testing on one thing, see if it works, try it again in six months. I mean, people's behaviors change. So that that's really cool. But um I wanted to ask you, so how quickly has Mint, because I mean, I just saw, I feel like the company came from nowhere and I just saw it everywhere after I think Ryan Reynolds uh, popped in. So I'd love to know what kind of effect that had on your, you know, all of your e-commerce and marketing efforts in terms of what happened after that? Did you guys just, you know, lose control over certain things or was it just like it was well planned out to the point where now you can actually handle everything? It was well planned out. Uh, Leading up to the announcement, it was uh, our CMO was the only one, him and our, our one of our part, the pa- partner founders of the company were the only ones in the building who knew at first. And then it was uh, it was me and, and a designer and a, and a developer and a copywriter were locked in a room for a month leading up to the announcement to like work through how we're going to roll it out. And that was really fun and secretive because when it was all announced, it was all like, oh, we knew this ahead of time. Yeah. Um, but then since then, um, so Mint had been growing super fast. And since then, it's still growing super fast. Um and what Ryan's done with him and his agency both is we know that like his uh, his brand, his personal brand being attached to the Mint Mobile brand increases the credibility of the Mint Mobile brand because right. if he's not just paid to be our sponsor. He bought in, which means there's a, a level of like believability and people trust Ryan. So that all kind of works together. That's one. And the second thing is that his agency and him are really, really smart. The way that they approach problems and try to solve for marketing challenges, they could do it even if they didn't, even if... If Ryan Reynolds wasn't a celebrity and he worked, he just had this agency that he has now, yeah. he'd still deliver a crazy value because he he talks about this. But the way he approaches uh, like uh, marketing is he tries to come at it perpendicular compared to everyone else. So if there's a trend going on, he tries to come at the trend this way and still intersect it so he gets to ride the wave, but in a totally different way that is like unique compared to everyone else. And I think that's why it's not – I mean, Ryan plays a role, but the reason people go to his YouTube channel and watch his ads – uh, and if you watch his ads, all the comments say, I've never gone to YouTube just to watch ads except for Ryan Reynolds ads. It's wow. not just because Ryan's in the ads. It's because of the way he's approaching advertising in general. So yeah. that's been really cool. He's like, I mean, mad respect for him because he has these two extreme uh, disciplines that he's really good at. Absolutely. I, see, I had no idea that he even had an agency. So that's that's really uh, cool to hear. Uh, and so uh, on your side of things and as you're kind of evolving on the on the e-commerce uh, side, and I know you've been sharing a lot of this on your on your Twitter, uh, what what's kind of the knowledge that you've picked up in terms of seeing his crazy, you know, like you said, the perpendicular kind of marketing efforts? Like what are some of the stuff that just completely blew you away and like, oh, fuck, I would have never thought about this. Is there anything that stands out, I guess, is my real simple question. 
Um, let's see. Yeah. Um, so we did this thing. Uh, there's a there's a, a thing that happens every year called Bobby Bonilla Day. It, it's okay. big on Twitter. It's big in the sports world. Do you watch sports? Baseball. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, not baseball. Not ba- not a, not a big baseball guy, but I do football, soccer, shit like that. Are you familiar with Bobby Bonilla Day? I've heard of Bobby Bonilla Day, but I, I don't know. So he was a baseball player who retired. I don't remember the year, um, but like the year before he retired, he signed a contract. I think. I should probably check before I say it. Um, <laughs> Three hundred million. Who the, who the team was, but um, yeah, the Mets. He signed a contract with the Mets to get like a million dollars a year every year for the next twenty-five years, and the next year he retired. I I remember I actually saw the news that there was like a like an anniversary for that contract recently. Yeah, yeah, and the Mets are Mets, Mets fans are pissed about it, or they just are they're pissed about it because it comes out of their budget every year, so they're paying this this retired player in a way that prevents them from spending money on new talented players. Uh, so it doesn't help them win more, but they're still paying it. Uh, and there was like reasons for doing it at the time. But so leading up to that, that day this year or last year, uh, Ryan's team came up with the idea for the Bobby Bonilla plan. So we offered a wireless plan on our site for 25 years and it costs like $2,500. Um, and it was a huge PR. It was supposed to just be a PR stunt. It was like the world's uh, longest baseball contract with the world's longest cell phone plan. Um, yeah. It was just like so well executed. We got a ton of press. We sold like hundred and something uh, units of that one plan. Uh, oh shit! And, and it was a, it was a killer deal. If you break wireless service down by month, the monthly cost was like really really small. Um, but it was it, the, and the sales were not the goal of the of the stunt. It was just to get press, and we did. Um, but it's a kind of thing like that that probably exists for other brands. The same kind of idea, but they just don't have the um, the leverage. The forward thinking. Yeah, the forward thinking, exactly. So that, yeah. that was cool. And then the other thing I see over time is the impact of brand. So coming from a non-brand company uh, that's just direct response at MidMobile, where my CMO's vision on the, you know, when I first met him and interviewed to, to today has been to build a wireless company with a soul and a face and a brand. And uh, and we've been doing that over and over again. And you see it in the numbers. You just see like the baseline performance of the whole company increases over time, regardless of, of the performance marketing that we're doing. That always adds on top, but the fun- foundation of it is growing and improving because the brand is strong. People love Mint Mobile. That's amazing. That's amazing, dude. That's so cool. That's so cool. I, I love the experience you're getting out of this for yourself, man, because I think it, w- whatever you end up doing you know, next or whatever your next career thing is, or if you do a, a go out on your own, I mean, you're already... Um, the, the information simply that you're sharing, I think is super valuable for, I, I mean, in the e-commerce space alone, but even just, you know, from a product perspective. And so building things on, you know, uh, uh, like even the, um, what were you just saying right before the thing the the little, uh, the project you were just talking about, uh, oh, the, the Twitter profile testing tool, that one. Yeah. Or- yeah. Things, I mean, things like that, you can, you, you, you definitely can leverage a lot of that stuff with how you're approaching it and, and seeing it work in action. And that's always been my favorite part of kind of, I mean, I've done consulting for e-commerce businesses and different things. And it's just, it sucks when you can't implement something on your own where you can like start even starting my own business. It's like, just simply, I just want to do whatever the fuck I want to do and test things out. And sometimes people feel like that's a little bit like arrogant, but it's like, Hey, if I get the creative space to do that and I test it on my own skin and with my own money, then who gives Good a fuck? You. Like, isn't that, isn't that the whole point? Like, yeah. <laughs> so that's, that's what I love about what you're saying about him is just because he's like, dude, I'm going to buy in and I'm going to, 
I'm going to bring the firepower uh, along with me and my team and everything like that. So that's exactly really right. fucking awesome. Because he's like, why do I want to build a brand and do all this cool marketing for someone that I'm not that I'm going to get paid for today and never benefit from it again? He gets exactly to do it it, like it compounds over time and the, and the net benefits way bigger. And he gets to use the money he makes for movies, redeploy it in a, in a brand new way. Um, I love it. It's, it's what everyone wants to do with a personal brand. Get, get yeah. well known for one thing and then branch out in all these different areas using the power of your brand. And, and I feel like, you know, it's kind of crazy to say, but even, you know, the culture of like you take like LeBron James, right? Um, he's so embedded into the culture of like hip hop and all these other things. Um, I feel like somebody at that at that level should be able to create sort of these crazy marketing. And I haven't seen anything from LeBron that stands out. Like you said right now, the whole Bobby Bonilla plan that he did, like, right, like thinking about that sort of thing. Um, I feel like I haven't seen anything that made me go, wow, that ad right there is one of those timeless pieces that you're just going to keep seeing on YouTube or whatever it is. And maybe I missed it. Maybe there is one out there that stands out more than the others, but everything is so corporate for him because he's so McDonald's and, you know, all these big companies where I think Ryan took the better approach of, Hey, I'm just going to buy in and I own whatever I want to put out there and I do it my way. And if it fails, it fails. And if it goes well, it goes well. And um, and, and just to, you know, just to kind of parlay that into other athletes too, right? Everybody goes in and makes money off one sport and then they want to deploy that cash into like a business, but then yeah. you don't really have that control. You just certainly invest and you sit back and you're like, hopefully that thing sells for a few billion dollars. So I can get a payout, but you have no yeah. control over that. And I think that's what sucks, man. I agree. Yeah. Cause I'm thinking, I've been thinking a lot about what I, you know, talking to my wife too. What does our life look like if we didn't have to worry about money? And we're not, we're not close to that. And we're not, right. you know, but just what does it look like? It's a, it's a question worth asking yourself because that's really kind of where you should be aiming. And like, am I going to just be leisure reading fiction on the, on the beach all day? No, right. I, I like too much to build and manipulate and, and change and tweak and test. I, I'm too much of a tinkerer to just sit back and do nothing. So yeah. like the idea of investing passively and stuff doesn't appeal to me today. So I'm working instead towards building things that can grow up over time that I'll own. And I can like, just hop around in. I think like applying my ADHD to the larger picture of different businesses is where I'd want to go. So you're, you're, you're like me, dude, you don't want to build like a skyscraper. You're trying to take over a parking lot. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Go wide and go like multiple little things and, and have a kind of a hand in a lot of it. My whole thing, yeah. dude, my, my like life motto is wake up in the morning, decide whatever the fuck I want to do for the day work on this project, work on this project, don't work on this today, work on that tomorrow. Just kind of take it day by day. I know there's a certain level of like, you can call it planning or, or tasks or whatever needs to be done. But the big, uh, like the big picture side of things that just, you know, for example, work on a D2C brand today. I want to, you know, go out and check what our surveys are and what's going on and, you yeah. know, what clients are saying and how many orders we get now and how's our trend, what's working on social media. And tomorrow I want to work on the SaaS business because I have 10 features I want implemented by the end of the year type of thing. And so that to me drives my ADHD. And it sounds like for you, you, you like fucking yeah. around with little things and, and tweaking them. For sure. Maybe not a set schedule, but um, for right. the side projects I work on, but definitely like four buckets that I know I'm, I'm maintaining and working across and whether like where I spend the time each day changes. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And so what other products and different things are you looking to sort of implement that you can, I, I guess, build something a little bit more sustainable? It doesn't sound like you're very much into like the real estate side of things. You're more into the tech side and the software yeah. side. So yeah. I'd love to know what, what you have in mind. And um, I always think about that, man, nowadays, especially with like 
things like micro acquire and all this, you get it to a certain point, you're just like, hey, I'm not interested in it anymore. You can still cash out a little bit and go build the next thing and, and start continuously doing that. So I'd love to know what you're yeah. what you you got going on on that side. So I at least what you're thinking about, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I have. Uh, OK, so I've been thinking about this, too. I would love to, to own a SaaS business in general as something to, to work on and work in and provide value and solve problems with. Um, and then, um, you know, what do I, what am I going to do like five years from now or 10? What am I really going to do? The, the place I, the thing I really love is conversion rate optimization. That's what we do mm -hmm. so much at Mint. And that's, that's the thing that gets me excited every day is like this challenge of how you get people to switch wireless carriers and make it feel easy and effortless because the price is great, but, but wireless is weird because it's like the price is low. The intro price is 45 bucks today for three months of service. But the amount of thinking and the headache and the hassle that you have to you have to go through to actually switch carriers is way worse than forty five dollars. You pay a hundred dollars yeah. and I have to think about it. So it's like low cost, high consideration. Like the consideration, similar to when you're buying a new car, at the cost uh, like half the cost of a pair of shoes. So mm -hmm. it's it's like this weird like combination. So, uh, but finding ways to optimize the journey and make it easier for people to buy is exciting. And I would love to do that for more more companies. But I wanted, I'd wanted, so I could do a CRO consulting agency type situation. Um, and so to kind of, you know, right now I'm still like really invested in Mint Mobile. So how do I, how can I start like working towards that now without, uh, like with leverage and without having to um, sacrifice other things that I have going on? So right. me and a couple of people started up this concept, Roast My Funnel, where we can, we can help like smaller e-com brands or D2C brands uh, with their, their online selling experience. So me and two other people, we do basically like a Google Hangout and fire up the person's site. And then we go through from homepage to checkout page and talk about the tactics that and the changes that they could, uh, tactics they could implement, changes they could make to increase conversion rate on every page, like home, collection, PDP, cart, checkout. Um, and uh, and so we're going to get that rolling. And then that could be a good feeder. Like I think we can provide lots of value uh, in a way that we would never have time for if we were booking uh, booking these uh, these companies. And it's, right. like a, it's hard to provide that much value to a really small company because they don't have much money and we don't want to spend a ton of time with them. Um, but we also want to be able to share our experience broadly. So this is that this should let us do that. And if it works and we start and we like are providing value and getting customers, it could be a feeder into a CRO agency that I'd start in the yeah. future. That's amazing. That's amazing, dude. Uh, yeah, I think the biggest thing, the, the biggest piece of advice I would give you is try to productize before you go into yeah. service because when you go into service, you're going to depend on that. And productizing early goes a really, really long way when you're thinking about, you know, um, depending obviously on your price point and different things, obviously you don't want to be undercutting yourself where you feel like you're dreading work. But if somebody's paying you good money and you can go through that process, but productizing that that service and not having to have your hand in it at all times, obviously you have a you have a different perspective and it sounds like a lot of that is going to be tied to you and some of the other people. But figuring out a way to to standardize certain pieces of it where your touch points really low, but still as effective, if not more effective. I think that's yeah. the mentality to just look into when you're when you're doing this, because uh, it, like anything else, the more you do it over and over again, this, you know, the same similar thing. Burnout is bound to happen one way or another, as much as much as you're excited about it every single day. But having to be like, this is this is what I have to do now. That's the one thing about an agency that people have to sort of find a balance to. And that's why I always enjoyed building products within an agency is because it allowed me to disconnect from that, you know, client deadline, do this thing every day, do this for this client, same thing for this client. Just so there's, I, and again, I think the ADHD that we're talking about 
that makes it also a little bit harder because now you're just I like, totally yeah, agree. Shit, yeah. same fucking thing. <laughs> yeah, no question. You know? I would rather not. So like, yeah, uh, agency is like my, I, I guess I call, I think of it like my fallback because I'd be super credible there and I could do a great job. But also, yeah. you know, I don't want to be tied to deadlines or have to have to, you know, like you said, forced to do certain things on certain timelines. And then you have to, yep, you're putting your clients ahead of everything else. And I, you know, I'd have exactly. to like talk to my wife like, at times, I'd have to put clients ahead of my family because that is what keeps our business going. Um, I'd rather avoid that. So roast my funnel is cool because right now I think I can limit it to 45 minutes per customer. It's and, it, and there's no touch. It's like they order, we send them the info, and we're done. So it's almost like you're shipping a product, but you don't have to mm-hmm. actually buy anything. You just get on the phone, talk through e-com stuff, which I could do all day long, and right. then, uh, provides value to people. That's amazing. That's amazing. And and are you? Uh, and I'm assuming this is all, a lot of this is coming through Twitter at the moment for you, or is it more like LinkedIn stuff? Is all, all of it? Yeah. Right yeah. Nice, nice. That's awesome, dude. Um, no, I, I love that. I love that you're into the Microsoft side of things as well, because I, I, there's always so many little opportunities that I feel like uh, some of the stuff I saw you even you know you take the URL that gives you all the Google like uh, information and the the little thing that you launched not too long ago. Um, and mm-hmm. then also the, the the little Chrome extension that you have. What's that thing called again? Um, it's called the Social uh, Ad Peak. Ad, social Ad Peak, right? So yeah. I, I think those things like that. Same thing with like Twemex, right? Uh, same cool little like sidebar tool. I think that's where it's at. To be honest with yeah. you, I think. Um, I mean, you look at something like Built With. I don't know how much you know about Built With, but mm-hmm. man, they are running like uh, I think they do like ten million a year or something crazy with their with. Just a, yeah. three people, dude. Three people on the uh, on the like, team. All, it's all they're doing, they're, like, because they're taking the stuff that you could you could always find in inspect. If you just look at the code, you see all the things. You see the like the prefixes on the class names in the HTML, and you can get to you can get to like what all, what services and tools they're using. And they're just like, well, let's just extrapolate that. Yeah, it, it's amazing. Cool. So yeah, yeah, I, I, love that, that. I, I love that. So I, um, yeah, social ad peak to me was a like Facebook ad library is big, but they don't offer an API, and there's lots of great tools that make the Facebook ad library more robust so that you could like save it and it's a better reference tool. But still, like if you're going from a brand, if you're on a brand's website and then you want to check out their Facebook ads, it's like 10 clicks and then yeah. a bunch of load screens. And for me, that's like, okay, I'll, as I wait for this site to load, I'm going to check messages and then like I'll go to my email and then maybe I'll forget about it and I'll come back like, oh shit, this tab's still open. But you never actually complete the thought. Why not just have it <laughs> one click? So that's why I made social ad peak. It was really easy. And it was, it was also like, I want to start building things at working at a, a bigger company like Mint when everybody has a really specialized role. I don't feel like I'm producing as much, especially when my team's built out, everything's delegated. I'm, I'm, um, I'm advising, I'm, I'm setting plans, but I'm not, I'm not building anything and I miss it. Right. So, so Twitter's there, I'm there to build an audience and I'm building that with my own hands, social ad peaks, own hands, and, and these other projects we're talking about are things I can build and get that sense of satisfaction. Um, yeah. And, and and provide an extra value for a lot of people out there too because it's it is actually a really cool tool how many do you do you count how many users you have or are you just letting it fly out there right now yeah yeah i actually have 25 users of it oh there we see dude that's that's it that's literally what we have on the on the timeline project as well i think it's like 25 or 30 people that are just kind of playing around with it so no that 30, that's 34 users so that's a 50 percent increase <laughs> I love it. Are you pushing it anywhere? Are you, are you no. like, advert? no, you just. No, I, I had, cause I'm not, I don't ever plan to make money. I just wanted it to be useful. And I thought it'd be cool if people thought it was cool. Um, yeah. Kind of like yeah. Twitter threads. Like there's, there's, there might be long-term value in building an audience. It probably is, 
but also just the feeling of having people find the stuff that's coming out of your brain valuable and useful is a, is a good feeling that's worth pursuing. That's dude. That's what I'm all about. It's solving my yeah. own problem and having these ideas that just you know people. I mean, it's crazy. So uh, yeah, man. I think by the time this comes out, the 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 Shopify app side of things too. Same thing. It's just you know yeah. uh, adding a layer to the to the purchase checkout side of things, and you know all of that. It's gonna be it's gonna be really um, oh, awesome. Let me ask you a question. When you're building, you're building these micro SaaS things and, you know, you have yeah. history as a, as a product manager. And so writing requirements and then working with engineers and, and whoever is like writing your background. So when you're building a, a micro SaaS for yourself and you're working with engineers, that's like old hat. You're like, you've got it down. How do you yeah. manage costs to develop it versus like what you're expecting to return? And are you, do you like, do you go very deep on what you like, how much you expect to get back from those expenses? Dude, I'll tell you honestly, I don't even fucking think about that. Uh-huh. I, I I think about it zero percent because I think about it very differently. Um, uh, I, I think I don't know who I heard say. Maybe it was like a Gary Vaynerchuk or whatever it is. Like I'm not planning to win tomorrow or the next week or the month. After. Like I'm looking to build a, a sort of a. I guess the best word we call it like a studio, but like almost like a little incubator of, of startup companies and little tools and different things to when people see 924, there's going to be fucking 10, 15 small apps that you were just like, that solves one problem. That's oh, wow. What like they're all over the place to me is just more of the compound effect of building this. And one day just being like, Hey, this is all kind of running on its own. It's very lean. It's, it's going to be my version of like, my agency that that you know people set up like service agencies and make a bunch of money and you know they they give it to somebody else and they're just kind of sitting back i want to do that with product with product is very exciting to me because just the same way you think about psychology when it comes to cro i'm thinking about fixing people's like very little tiny problems that they have where we even if we have 20 users to an app that's what i'm about and so to me it's not about the um it's just the same thing with fucking spare tools, man. That's that's one of the apps that I just yeah. needed to get out there. It was it was a part of a marketing play. We got some clients out of it. It pay, paid for itself. But to me, it was more like I, I need to build for that marketplace because I feel very strongly about it. I'm a user there. I know the experience I would want. It's like putting my own self into those shoes again. And that's what really strikes yeah, totally. me in terms of uh, in terms of everything. And so, yeah, man, I don't really think about, hey, I'm going to do this. And then the only thing I really care about is, you know, how long is it going to take and how much upfront cost is going to be? And is there a way for us to monetize this? I mean, if it's a free tool, it's going to be one of those things like, hey, dude, you want to just like partner up on something, build something cool with like a developer. Uh, The other parts of it is, you know, I have contractors on my end that I could just say, hey, you know, I'm paying you this much. We I have a tool and I need to spend maybe 30, 40 hours getting like the first version done Um, and then just see where it goes from there. And so it's a lot of trial and error, man. It's a lot of there's no real script. Um, There's no real kind of I go to this drawing board every time and I check off all these boxes is I sit on the idea. I pitch it to a few people. Hey, what do you think about this? Cool. You like it? Okay. How about you? How about you? Go to different merchants, test it out with Shopify. And they're just like, yeah, I would use this. Put their name on the list. And I said, hey, okay, now we've got it built. Like I can bring shit to life. Now we have a built. Now I need you to to sort of hold your word and do the testing, do the feedback, do all that. 
And a lot of the times it's just building good relationships with people that really drives the product because then they're just like, oh, dude, I've been using this for a while. I'm used to it. It's part of my business. And you sort of develop these like really strong relationships. I mean, um, I, here's a perfect example. Uh, inside of Taco, we have this thing with one of our subscription uh, products. Um, and so there's a there's a client that or there's a, a tech company uh, recharge that does all the subscription stuff on Shopify. And a lot of people, what happens is that they don't want to they don't want to do these custom builds of these like customer portals. And so what happens is they come to us and they say, hey, I need this custom thing so people could do, you know, cancel, swap this, that, like do the whole self-serve experience. And man, we did it twice and it just costs so much time and money. And, you know, I simply turned around and said, okay, if we get one more person coming through the door asking for the same exact thing, we turn this into a product immediately. Like, I'm not sitting here and spending another, you know, 30, 40, 50 hours. Let's have a baseline, like a boilerplate that's really well designed. So client comes to us and says, hey, I need this customer portal done. We flip the switch within a day or two. We customize it for them and they have it without having to pay the large amounts of money up front. And we just basically put them on a payment plan to pay that over time. So we'll take like an $8,000, $10,000 build and we just say pay us over the next 12 months and we'll calculate it that way because the value that we bring to that client on the immediate basis comes on the back end on the service side because now they're like, well, I'm already in the door. Why would I need to go to another agency? So it's almost like it's sort of like a lead magnet, but it's a very sort of expensive one that they still have to pay for. But for us on the service side of things, it flips it around to where why would you go to another agency now to do all of your other work when you're already putting money in our pocket and we're delivering immediate value? You don't have to wait a month. You don't have to wait two months. We literally two days and you're you're in the door and you can now start messing around with things, setting up a dev site, you know, all these other things. So I think for me, that's that's really what it comes down to is just being bringing like quick value to clients as quickly as possible. And yeah. I think that that ends up that ends up helping a lot with the long term deal because they're just like it's trust, man. I, I worked on the other side. Right. I hired freelancers when I have to wait three, four, five, ten weeks for something to happen. I get really frustrated and annoyed, dude. Like I, I don't care how complex the project is. Show me something. Show me something to keep me keep the momentum going because the momentum is gone. Then I'm gone. <laughs> you know totally. what I mean? It's so true. That's true everywhere. Uh, we, I see it at mid-mobile, like when we were small and as we're bigger, same thing is true. You need momentum and you have to keep it going. Otherwise, you're starting from scratch. Even if you like, you, you make progress, but then you put it up, something on the shelf, you try to pick it back up in six months, it feels like you're starting over again. You have like exactly. no, no momentum. You haven't climbed anything. Yeah. So you're doing, uh, so you're, you have like a, so your product agency is really about solving these small problems for people over and over mm -hmm. again in different ways with different apps. Exactly. That that's literally so we have a project management tool right now uh, called Timeline and all it is and I honestly okay here it is I I'm going to I'm going to ask you literally like on the on the podcast is that I am having you know when you stared at something for too long Kenny and you just sit there and you're just like man I've been drilling down this hole for so long and it just it's just a hole. It's just a fucking hole at this point. I I'm not seeing any gold. I'm not seeing anything like it's just a hole. And I feel like I need a, a second pair of eyes for somebody to really dial yeah. in on the wording of what this tool does is very complicating in terms of how I'm wording it. But what it does for me is like a game changer. And um, do you have the link there? I can send you the link. I'm, really I'm, on, quick. It. I'm on there right now. Timeline. Okay. Yeah, exactly. So the big thing for me is, let me explain it to you. And you're going to probably be able to summarize this a lot easier. It's... We have Asana, 
Slack, Notion, Zendesk. We have all these different tools, right? There's communication from different sides coming in. So Asana, Slack, internal tools. Zendesk, that's client stuff. That's support tickets coming in, conversations with our project managers. You know, hey, I want this to be the deadline. I want this to be whatever it, uh, whatever else it is. Then there's the, the payment side. There's a Stripe side when the payments come through. There's, you know, there's all these different touch points that we have with our, our clients. One thing that we, this is why we made this app. We started to lose some of that information or not remembering where that information ends up living. So a client comes to us and says, hey guys, whether it was on a phone call or a Zendesk ticket, hey guys, I want this to be the deadline for the design project and I want our color to be blue, for example. Now, one project manager is going to hear that. Another person may hear that. But that doesn't usually make it into documentation in terms of like, if it's something two, three months out, we're just like, dude, we'll deal with that later. We're trying to do this right now. We're, we've got our hands full. You have a deadline for this first project. So we always had this problem of like, oh, maybe the client's unhappy. So we have a very unhappy client. So we need to record that information because what ends up happening is that if I, at the top of the level, want to see what's going on with any given projects, I have to scatter my brain five different ways for me to be able to understand the pulse of any given project. Yeah, I can get a report from my PM, but that's just one level view of something, right? When I talk about timeline, I look at it as if I'm in Asana and I see a task that says, this is the deadline, this is the launch day, unhappy client, this, that, that needs to make it to somewhere where we can see it on a big picture level, right? And it doesn't usually make it from Asana to Slack. And if it does, it'll get lost in Slack. If it makes mm -hmm. it from Zendesk to Slack, it's probably going to get lost somewhere. There's no central source of truth to give us one standardized way of giving, getting a pulse on a project. And on the flip side, Kenny, is when we're bringing somebody on board, because we get, you know, we have turnover with project managers, people going to new positions, doing all these things. If I'm bringing you in right now to, to work on a client and I say, hey, Kenny, uh, we're working with client so-and-so. Here's the five different tools that you have to go review. What the fuck are you going to be like, dude, this is crazy. Like, where am I going to start? What, what, what conversation? Where? How? What? Did they pay? Is this all good? Like, you know, like you have no, no clue of what, what to even expect. If I can at least give you a very lean and like summarized version of that to simply it's a, it's, a, it's a Chrome extension. So all it does is once you click on it, and if you, let's say, highlight any task, the task within Asana, any text within each paragraph or whatever it is, and you click on the Chrome extension tool, it literally grabs the exact URL. So it takes you right back to that reference point. It grabs the a logo of the app that it's coming from. So it could be Zendesk, it could be Slack, it could be any of those. And then on top of that, it's bringing in the relevant text that you want everybody else to see on the team. So when you come in as a PM, you can simply get onboarded with a client within a snap of a finger because you could just go down this important set of information about this project. We don't need everything. I don't need to listen here and, you know, about the client's personal life or anything like that. I just need to know what are the biggest touch points that we've had? Are they good, bad, ugly? Why did this, something go wrong? What problems and different things? So it's like this consolidated communication tool. Like that's how I think about it. But that doesn't explain what it does. It saves you time. It reduces fragmentation. It does all of these different things. But summarizing that into one headline has been an absolute nightmare. And we're targeting project managers specifically because, and here's the reason for that, because that's the problem I'm solving first and foremost. And the other part of it is project managers have a 
leg up when it comes to using tools within an agency or a bigger organization because they're like, hey, this is helping me stay on track with my deadlines and everything else. That means all you people, developers, designers, whoever it is, I need you to reference this tool whenever you're doing. So they have a little bit more of weight of what tools to incorporate into their tech stack to keep things moving properly. So I'm hearing I'm hearing two, maybe two different tools. One, I'm the first one I was hearing is the tool that helps you as the agency owner manage your relationships based on key events that you that like occurred with a given client. So that's yeah. all like dependent on the project manager to use timeline to log these events when they happen or when the tool, like when they see them in a given tool. Exactly. And then another tool to help project managers stay on on track and and stay up to date with their projects, know what's coming, know what what came behind. The second tool feels a lot like Smartsheets or ClickUp or Monday, or you could use Airtable. I don't, uh, how is it different than those? Well, it's the formatting of the actual information, the way it looks. So we have timestamps, we have uh, the exact URL, you have specific notes, you can tag people in it. So it's more, um, it, it's 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 a very simple view of time. Okay, the project started in 2017, we're in 2022 now, I can see everything that's happened in between. So it's, it's um, yeah, it's like a consolidated version of like a ClickUp or an Asana. Like I can go into Asana and look at these, but then I have to look at tasks and what kind of. I, I don't I care about it. any of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I started like two years ago or uh, last year in January. I started a thing called my to done list. So I you have a to do list, right? I have my mm-hmm. to done list, which is not like things I cross off the to do list. It's milestones or things I want to remember. It's like an ADHD or his diary because I can't I can't write in something every single day. I won't keep it keep it up, and then I'll skip two days and then quit altogether. The to done right. list is loose and it's chunked by week, not by day, and it's on major milestones. And I did it because some of the projects at work were feeling like they were taking forever, and I hit okay. Saturday like, oh man, I just need to do more. I need to work more because I wasn't feeling like I was making progress. But then, like, if I really, if I pause for a second longer to think about what I'd done, I'd realize that I didn't feel like we were making progress because there's all these checkpoints you have to hit before you start shipping or before you start working on the thing you're going to ship directly. So um, that was my, I wanted to be able to read back through a quarter and say, oh, these are the steps that I took. And here's like, on week one, I met with this person and we decided that. On week four, I met with this person and that moved the project ahead in this way. And then in that way, I kind of have a mental timeline of what happens and then we release it. And then going forward, it's like, oh, we optimize it in this way after we launched it. It did this. Then we optimize it again on this way and it did that. And if so, is that, are you, would you lay those things out on an actual timeline? Like, yeah, you, you definitely can. Yeah. Exactly. You definitely can because you can actually see, for example, we launched landing page number one on this date. We reviewed information about that landing page and the performance on this date. But while you're doing that, you're linking it back to those original sources, right? You're mm-hmm. you're looking at it from, okay, so where are these performance metrics? You can put them in text format into timeline, but I want to see the actual report. So maybe that's like, you know, you go to bare metrics or you go wherever you need to go to like find this info, Google Analytics, it doesn't matter. You go in and you go directly to that source, right back to that same place where you need to get all that information from a high level, like detailed view. Hmm. Yeah. That's kind of cool. I think what what's uh, okay. So if you're a project manager in an agency right now, and you've been doing the job for like two years, someone who has enough sway to like be looking at new tools and have the ability like to mm-hmm. to buy them, they have a tool now to keep project stuff in a place. M- many places, maybe like you said, but yeah, they that's have the problem. Tools, like, to help keep it going now, but without it's like I, I think it's like 
it's not everything important about all about your projects all in one place. To me, it feels I haven't I don't know I haven't put my finger on it, but it feels like it's too too much of the like everything for everyone trap. Like click that's what it is. Is uh is like we replace all like it's uh, one app to replace them all, which is kind of what you're saying because your project managers are now using multiple tools, and you're saying this timeline tool is the only tool you'll have to use because it consolidates. But really, they'll still have to use all the other tools. Right, Timeline right. those other tools together. It's right, like, it's like the it's like a web. It's like a web. Timelines here in the middle, and all these things are just like that. It becomes like your 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 phone's home screen to like jump into different parts of a single client relationship based on whatever what that what was happening. Um, exactly, exactly. So like is, is, is your idea like this is like MVP, but you do uh, AP, you do something more programmatic, automatic uh, in the future if this worked out. Yeah. So what I would want to do, the things that I would want to automate is, for example, um, uh, okay. So what here, here's how it works for us. So we get a, we have a first call with the client. We send them a proposal. They sign the proposal and they pay for the first, you know, month of retainer right away or two months of retainer, I should say right away. The money is in the, okay. When that happens, few things happen on the back, back end. Asana project gets laid out through Zapier, all these things. Now, what I want to do is attach that through like a Zapier thing to just say, when payment is made, create a new timeline and stamp mm-hmm. that time right there. Stripe logo, Stripe URL, all the all the nice things to make it look nice. Okay, that's the kickoff point. Then the client it schedules a kickoff call through our HubSpot thing. So automatically read, like use this email. When you see this email, schedule something, put that into here. So mm-hmm. now I can go back and say, oh shit, so client, uh, paid on this day. First kickoff call happened two days later. And here is the the reference point for the scope of work of what the project manager and them talked about. And that's all right here, let's say in Asana or a Google Doc or whatever that might be. So it's like you're keeping tabs on all these pieces, but you're not having to scatter yourself across different tools. Hmm. It's such a yeah. fucked up like... Kind of, it's interesting. I think like you're missing a visual on the homepage to bring it all very together. big, very much. So, okay. So I'm so happy you said that. Look, I'm going to show you right now. I've been so amped up about like writing shit and drawing shit. Literally no joke. I don't know if you could see that timeline right there. It says like Asana, Zendesk, like all these things going into like one thing. And this is the time, like those are the visuals that literally come to mind of like yeah. what I think about. That's, that's, that's what I need. What does the tool look, what does the tool look like? Like when you, what do you, what does an actual timeline in the app look like? Okay. Let me, let me uh, show you really quickly here. Uh, bum, bum, bum. So uh, let me use the demo thing here. Let me see if I could share. I should be able to share my screen. Yeah, I could share my screen here. Chrome tab. Uh, oh, I see. I mean, the, I see the Chrome extension. Okay, yeah. Okay, so here, here you go. Here, I can, I can share it for you right here if you can see that. Yeah, I see it. Okay, so you see how now it's all September thirteenth, twenty twenty one. Okay, so I go in here. You have the exact timestamp. Um, let me make this a little bigger. You have the exact same timestamp. You could recognize the logo, whatever. And then you have that exact link where uh, where it takes you to a timeline. And then I can add specific notes to each. Uh, see, it says here, this is the deadline for a project. So I could say, talked to Kenny about this. And I can add that note in there. And then we can have this sort of like conversation here. And then what mm-hmm. happens is 
um, I can, you know, go back and be like, oh, there's something on Twitter here that was interesting. It's like ship 30 stuff. Um, oh, look, something related to like TechCrunch. So you can literally use it if you wanted to, Kenny. Like one of the things that I have here is is like a newsletter info. So I want to collect all things about newsletters and ConvertKit just sent something the other day that was like, oh, you can, you know, uh, make 10K on a newsletter playbook or something like that. I'm like, oh, that's good information about making money from a newsletter. So I saved that here. Now what I can do is simply say, you know, you're like, hey, Z, do you have any information about newsletters? And I'm like, yeah, sure. Here's a link. I opened this in a uh, in a new window. And that link is available to the public as well. So I can share that with technically with like clients or whatever that might be. Um, and then uh, and then they can see the same exact information. So this is what it would look like um, from a public perspective. And so you get obviously you would see that information right now. It's blocked. But so this is kind of the thing. And, and at the end, end of the day, it's more it's more one of those things where um, I can see it being used for people building in public, right? Like got my, got my first thousand customers, got my first, this got, you know, whatever that might be, they can, they can go in here and tag stuff. What kind of experience? Okay. Maybe I had, you know, uh, I don't know. I had 90% churn on my SaaS today. Why? I don't fucking know, but that's a very negative thing. And so what we want to be able to do is that we want to be able to have like a little pulse meter here at the top that sort of gives you the, the, where the, the sort of like the, the, the pulse of the project in a sense. It's like, was this a good client? Was this a bad client? Did we have a lot of issues with them? A lot of negative events, positive events. It was just kind of, eh, it was a neutral thing. So it's almost kind of getting a little bit of that um, on, on that, you know, temperature on the project. Yeah. Okay. So huh. that's what, that's what kind of what, what it looks like from a, from a, you know, demo perspective. And so what's your plans with it? You're going to, you're, you're, are you, how are you marketing it now? And and then also does your agency, did uh, taco use this, this tool and did it help you? Yeah. Guys? So, yeah, exactly. So we're using the tool internally uh, right now to, to basically keep track of a lot of this stuff. And that's why some of these features like we have now is what we've implemented. So we did a lot of internal stuff. So, for example, now you can add, um, you know, you can add different tags. So you could say this was a payment, for example, um, and I can just sit here and tag payment and update the event. And then what I can go do is I can go filter and I say, you know, event tags, marketing. So let me just refresh this really quickly. Um, and I can filter here, event tags. I can see all the payment stuff that's tagged with red right here or whatever that is. So, um, so it just, it allows, you can also go by reporter, you could, go by which kind of, you know, app you saved it from, whatever that might be in impression. So a lot of the positive stuff, a lot of the, you know, neutral stuff. And so it allows you to really filter it down based on those specific, uh, specific filters. Hmm. So it gives you a little bit more clarity. Like if you want to dial in, I want to see all the payments only. Okay. They paid on this day. They paid on this day. They paid on this day. It's like, it's a, it's like, it's like a, it's like a interactive report in a way. Yeah. So I, for, I, I, um, I suck at project management. Um, I had a, I, we had, I heard someone say recently, like marketing is 95% project management, which is very fair because it yeah. is, but I, I suck at it. So luckily I've been able to hire people that are really, really good at it. Um, mm -hmm. like they just do it in their sleep on accident. You know, they fall mm -hmm. into it backwards. I have to work hard at it. And so I don't, I don't think I'm, I'm grasping like maybe the true use of the tool, but there are parts of it that seem appealing for like the timeline aspect and seeing it over time for, uh, for maintaining momentum as someone with ADHD, like 
uh, like workouts, for example, I'm always changing up the workout I do to keep it interesting. As soon as I, yeah. I start getting bored, or I'm like, I skip a week. It's because it's, I'm bored of the workout. I have to switch it up. So mm-hmm. like, you know, but that there's no workout apps that help you tag that. It's like I track workouts in my watch, but if I'm doing like a VR workout, I just have to hit other. And I don't know when I, when I switched it up, but when I did it is relevant in like the whole grand scheme of things. So right. uh, like there's something about time, like what events are important that they're time bound and listed in sequence of when they happen that your tool right. really benefits from or that your tool would help sh- uh, showcase. Yeah. I- and, and that's the and that's I guess the the tough part. It's like it solves such a big problem in my head, and it solves a problem for a team. But I can't I can't dial it down to like six words or five words to say this is what the it save. Like I said, it saves time. I think the big the big thing is it saves time over a long period. So whether it's like an onboarding thing or you need to go yeah. back to see certain events or whatever that might be, it's like an accountability timeline. Basically, it's like holding yourself. It gives you the accountability, project accountability. Like that's what it really, what it almost comes down to. But then on top of that, you know, we are looking at things from, hey, somebody just needs to get a quick high level view of things. What's going on? Where did, where did we fail? Where did we do this? Where did we do that? Or the good things like, oh, wow, we, we've been shipping product every single month. Like I can keep track of that for my SaaS business. Like there's so many different avenues for, you know, you can have something where, hey, I sent the newsletter from ConvertKit, add the link directly in here. And now you can go in and send people to like a timeline and be like, here's all my newsletters for the past like three, three months or something like that. So there's so many different variations. And the reason why I'm fo- focusing on, like I said, on the project management side to begin with is that I just want to hit like a little bit more of a of a niche because I understand mm-hmm. that from my use and then expanding that to creator level or, or whatever that might end up being then. Totally. Well, it's the kind of thing you've built in so many different capabilities. You might accidentally step backwards into the, like the killer use case right? Uh, with it. Like maybe it's about sharing the info with other people, like with that sharing link. Cause that's where your, that's where your growth could come in your viral growth at least is, people are sharing their links or the timelines with other people. And then it says sign up at the bottom. I saw that. Yeah. yeah. Um, that's, that's super interesting. So, um, I need I you, saw, I need you to roast my timeline, dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you're missing, you're, you're, you're definitely missing the illustration that, that shows what it is on that, right. on that, on that home, home, uh, above the fold. And then, I think uh, it's missing a lot to be honest with you. That's the problem with it. That's literally what I'm, I'm, I'm not, it's not making me happy to look at it because it's, I'm not able to get, put my, my mind into words. Yeah, I hear you. I, uh, if something comes to mind when you're looking at this, like just throw a bunch of words at me through a text message, you'd be like, Z, there's a word you can use. Like I've, I, I can't tell you how many pages of like just writing I do based on, thinking about this and I sit there and jot down like a sentence and like, it does this, it does this. When you combine it all together, it sounds great, but I'm like, how do I, how do I bring this yeah. back to life? Well, <laughs> how are you talking to project, other project managers or potential customers to get their feedback? Well, that's exactly what I'm doing is I'm doing the same exact thing as I show them a demo and it's like, Hey, look, you, you bring all your, all your pieces of every project into one view. And then you can go back to that original source at any time. What are they saying? Uh, nothing. They were just like, dude, this is awesome. Like, this is going to help me so much. And it's, I can use it for marketing. I can use it for campaigns. And we launched it on this date. And then we go back and say, hey, marketing campaign 
25 was a complete flop, didn't do anything. Here's the, here's all the social stuff we use. Here's all the Facebook links. Here's all this. And we have, you know, basically a little bit more of like a, like I said, like a pulse on whatever the, the project is. It's definitely, I see it for project based stuff more than anything, because mm-hmm. even if you go into the step into the creator side, like for, for me, I, I can now just go and use this and say, I'm, um, I'm launching this app on this day. I took us three months to get our first 15 customers and it took us, you know, four months to get our first 2000 customers or whatever that might be. Yeah. And that's a journey that you can share. Like you said, you could share with other people and be like, well, what did you do in between these things? And now I can go back in and add tidbits yeah. if I need well, to. I would use it. I, I use my to done list for my Twitter growth now. So like at the start of every week, I start my weeks on Friday, but I say like week 26 of Twitter, 4,000 followers, week 20 of Twitter, uh, 2000 followers. And then, um, uh, and then in there, in, in between, I'm like, oh, posted a thread today, record likes, or posted a thread today, yeah. 100 likes. And then that, that would be a really nice timeline all in one place. It doesn't exist now, uh, right. especially with Twitter. There's no tool that tells you that. There's no way to know, like, I posted a thread three months ago that got 1,000 likes, but how, how many followers did I have at that time? And how, right. like, and how does that scale? So then if I have four times more followers and I get 1,000 likes, is that better or worse than it was right. the first time? Right. Um, just just that as a simple example. That's why it seems versatile. I see where you're going after project managers, but if they're if they're loving it and they're solving the problems, then what's sounds like it's all working. Well, it's not it's not working because I feel like the it's it's taking me to present it rather than them coming oh, yeah. to the website and knowing right, right away like, hey, this is what it's this is the problem it's solving for me. And the pain points are all I have them all listed. Don't get me wrong. The pain points are all there, but they're all come from such a different you know, yeah. angle, like well, there's yeah. got to be one, almost like one level deeper into the project management side that we need to go into than just to say project managers. It needs to be, I don't know, uh, a tech, you know, marketing project manager or something like that, where you, you kind of bringing it into one more filter almost. The challenge for me is, is it just seems like one extra step when everyone's already busy enough to do the thing they have to do to then log it is always a, a hard thing to do in the long run. And if you skip but, one log, manually, then your timeline's incomplete and you can't really rely on it to be your source of truth. Right. And and I completely thought about that problem too. But then the way I, uh, I wanted to sort of overcome that is the whole highlight some text on any site you're on and just click on a Chrome extension and save it. Like it's a three-step process. It's so quick. And I mean, I use save to notion, for example, all the time. Mm-hmm. It does something very similar, but then you have to go into these formats about your database and how things look. And it just gets way too complex. Yeah, too this is simply, you know, this is simply like highlight text, click on the Chrome extension and you're done. Like yeah. you don't have to do anything else and it's saved there. Well, the cool part is you could do with the same tool, no changes on the tool, a bunch of different landing pages with different right. comps in the hero or even the same landing page, just change your top message and drive traffic to it. Spend a right. little bit of money and start driving traffic to it. Um, and at your price points, it's like, it seems like you could reach people that would be, that this would be useful for small, even small, like consultants, people doing one off or people doing, you know, they're a one man team, but they're, they work full time on their own agency. This could be helpful for, um, and exactly. it's months, it seems like a no brainer. Uh, exactly exactly and that's the whole thing is like exercising the mind to just understand how much time this will save you you know over a span of not having i mean i dude i i get i get anxiety when somebody tells me like hey we have this issue with the client i'm like okay where do i start like where do we where did this break down okay happened in this email okay you know what i mean like it's hard to track everything down and that's where i feel like this comes into 
this comes into play just from a high level view and have a have a source of truth, source of start and 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 pulse on a project. Mm-hmm. For sure. So yeah. what's so what um so what's your next what's your next move on this? Do you have people that are like working on this every week for hours and hours? No, no. The tools, the tool right now is built up, uh, built up. Um, the only other piece that's missing is that we, um, I think what's going to be, what's really important, what I've come to realize is like templates, right? So here's, here's one of the, one of these sort of like product, product led growth mechanisms that I'm using is, um, so we pre-create templates. So let's say we're targeting project managers, right? So we can have a, 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 a client project, we can have a marketing project, and we can have like one, because you get free three uh, three free timelines, no charge, no nothing. Mm-hmm. So we almost want to fill up that bucket, at least one or two templates, and then have them create their own template, put different custom fields or whatever that might be. Maybe they need, maybe somebody wants to use it to keep track of their cr- cryptocurrency payments, right? So they want to go in there and say, price bought, price sold on this day, it was the price of the, like, they want to yeah. do that and go back and, and go and be like, oh man, I made this much money on this one. I made, you know, I bought this one on yeah. this day. I went all the way to 2012. Here's my record guys, like that sort of thing. So there's so many different variations. I'm not trying to tackle all of them, but I do want to give the people ability to just kind of, hey, maybe you need a few extra fields. Maybe you don't need the reporting tool or whatever that is. So um, that's the only other piece, but everything else is pretty much done. And the only the only real help I need is on this damn landing page. Because like I said, I've been staring at this tool for so long. To me, it's just a big blur at the moment. So I, I tried to sign up, but it says I'm waiting for an email, like a confirmation email. So oh, I want to uh, sh- check it out when I... Can't. Okay. Uh, check your check your maybe on something on the spam side of things. Um, let me let me look into it, but um, it should come in. Cool. Um, yeah. So what else? So um, so are you are you finding like are you filling your days with building these micro SaaS tools? And what's your next that, one? I know you just submitted one to Shopify. What's next? Yeah. Uh, so that and then um, the other one is the one that you and I talked about. We never got it done. Uh, is the ad bubbles one where we're scraping Facebook comments uh-huh. and giving you a pulse on the actual comments that are coming in. So for brands that are spending large amounts of money, this might be very helpful to just understand sort of the, hey, uh, what's going on within these comments? Why is there so much negativity? Why is there so much this? And go back and sort of filter a little bit, uh, filter it down yeah. a little bit more. Um, so that's one of them. Um, I'm actually handing off to another developer over the next like week to get that uh, done. We we have a few small pieces on the Facebook ad side um, that you need to just connect and we have all the live stuff. Uh, and then the other one, um, oh, the other one is we want to, we're working on, again, also done is just to the point where we need to build out sort of the front end. Uh, what I want to do is I want to create, have an app that creates a automatic live pitch deck about any D2C brand like store. So uh, what that means is if I share my Google, uh, my uh, Shopify analytics, I have a basically we create a link that shares your uh, Shopify analytics uh, in live view. So I send you the link. You can see my real time sales, AOV, like all the information that Shopify gives you. And then the next step to that, what we want to do, because now, you know, a lot of DDC brands are getting investments and people just want to see what what's going on behind closed doors is that you can actually create like an uh, like a mini pitch deck about your store. So have all the branding. Um, here's how many customers we have. Here's how many. So it's like password protected analytics for, you know, you can share it on Twitter. Like a lot of people take these screenshots and they say, oh, look, I'm making this much money on Facebook. I think it's a bunch of scams. 
So I kind of want to reverse that and say, just share a link. And then that way people could see the real time data. And then you, they know if you're saying that you're selling $10,000 worth of Facebook ads and your ROAS is, you know, six times, we can see it right then and there. So it's almost like, again, uh, show, show, show us the real shit. Don't take a screenshot. That, that screenshot could come from literally anywhere. Yeah. That's your next one. That's that's uh, that's another Shopify app that we like. We have all the everything done. It was just we haven't done the pitch deck side of things where you're kind of giving somebody a, a really nice like layout. Um, it's called uh, the app is going to be called something like Publicized or something like that. I'm not sure yet. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah. that's awesome. Yeah, so that's a that's another little thing. And then um, the Ad Bubbles one is the one I'm really excited about because I think from a marketing perspective that becomes a really handy tool to to especially with people spending a bunch of money on Facebook. Yeah, or any money. It's so easy to to run ads and then forget about the comments and not mind them. I know I saw right. that uh, convo with you and Kate Kate Borgoyne a while ago about uh, about that and like mining customer sentiment. And if you're bringing in customer comments, and there's all sorts of and people are finding value, there's all sorts of things you could potentially add to it, like sentiment yeah. analysis and start using AI to respond or whatever. It is. There's like it's a nice little starting point that could branch. You froze up a little bit. Yeah, yeah. So. You're, you're back. You're back right, now. Yeah, I, my, yeah. My other thing was like aggregating reviews from different tools, right? So you have like Facebook reviews, you have uh, Shopify like app reviews, you have this, and being able to bring in reviews from different sources. Maybe it's like reviews on like your Google business page or whatever that might be. Bringing that in and see what people are saying from a from kind of a top level view and seeing all that information in one place is a, is another I think. Uh, really good, you know, cool tool to understand your customers and, and kind of use that for your marketing rather than um, having to try to guess what they, what they want. Mm -hmm. For sure. Nice. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's cool. Yeah. So that's, that, that's kind of been the, the rundown of my end. And on top of that, just like, you know, on the personal audience building side is just creating that as, as the top of the funnel for everything. So for me right now, um, uh, all of these things that I'm doing sort of fall below what I'm, you know, it's like top of level funnel and newsletter, all these other things. And then being able to sponsor my own podcast with things, being able to sponsor my own newsletter with things and create yeah. sort of the flywheel side of, side of yeah. the side of the business. Once you have that system going and you find, you find the right demand gen or like, like the way to like start funneling more people into it, you already have that going. And like you said, flywheel, uh, Justin Welsh talks about it a lot, like how, how he repurposes content when he does, whenever he goes deep on something, that's content to push out for months and months. Exactly. Um, yeah. And it's super rewarding to go that deep. My, I did a thread on Canva and product like growth that yeah. I learned a ton and like it was something I would nerd out on anyway, but because I had to write about it or force myself to write about it, I remember it much better. And then yeah. also like being on, on Twitter, when I'm listening to podcasts, I'm taking more notes when I'm listening to books. I went from like, you know, from 1.5 speed to 1.1 cause I, I want to like listen and write it all down so I could write about it later. Retention's way better. So I get kind of forces a slower appreciation that I'm not, I'm not like inclined to without writing it down. Exactly. Exactly. And, and that's one big, uh, big thing for me too, is like the writing side of it. I'm always been like, pull out my phone, take it in notes, take it in here. And it just like, I lose some of that stuff because I'm uh, now in two days, I'm not going to remember that. I have to go back to my notes, figure out where I wrote it down. And now it's uh, the first thought starts with like a handwriting. And then I just make sure that it's down. And then I bring that into like a notion or, or whatever that might be, because uh, it's just easier to remember. But yeah, the, the top of the level funnel is really interesting because 
you know, offering especially like digital products and business coaching and, you know, other services or, or products or whatever it is, it becomes really interesting to see, you know, how you build that audience is like, oh, is, are they clicking on this or are they coming for this? Are they coming for the agency side? Are they coming for the product side? And having all of that under, you know, one umbrella. I, I mean, I wish I honestly did it earlier, right, is just when I was building my agency to sort of build yeah. my personal brand first and then the agency. But I went the other way around. I build an agency brand and then now I'm like, oh, shit, I should probably, you know, go do that. So um, yeah. that's been that's been really, really rewarding, though, because at the end of the day, it's just some of the some of the stuff. I mean, yesterday, business coaching with somebody um, for like an hour was just the most rewarding fucking thing I've ever done, Kenny. And it's just one of those things where I'm like, that's. That's what now makes me, you know, um, make, makes me makes me tick a little bit differently. I guess is the real thing. You're helping someone with their their own agency. No, I'm actually so it's just a just a individual person um, wants to get into like building product and all these. It just feels really really stuck, and it's just kind of giving him like a foundation to hey, this is the five things you should do or the ten things you should do. Here's how you approach it. Here's what I did. Here's, you know, your situation and that sort of thing. And, um, you know, just getting the email afterwards, just being like, man, you helped me like break through what I needed to do. I know what I needed to do. I needed to hear from somebody else. And that's all I really provided is just that simple amount of value to to say, hey, man, like what, what is really holding you back? It's like being a therapist, dude. It's yeah. literally what it comes down to. And uh, it was the most rewarding thing, man. I was just like, wow, that person now hopefully does something really cool. And, you know, get to build a relationship with them, get to help them down the road. If they ever need anything, they can rely on me and that sort of thing. It's it's just really, really cool. So that's 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 the part of me that um, with even SaaS, right, it's just helping people out, keep keep efficiency, uh, um, whatever that might be, a better experiences on Shopify uh, with with post purchase stuff that we're building and all this. So wh wh wherever it comes in, like the the, the foundation is really providing that value and that help to the person whoever is using it. Even like I said, even if it's 10 people or 15 people or 300 people, it's just the same amount. 100%. And like, because you built your agency and you, you did all that work, you can help someone now because you already learned it. Right. So like, that's a good way to choose how to spend your time going forward now. And also like 10 years ago when I was much younger is like, what activities exactly. are going to, what, what, what's going to help me now? What's going to help me in the future? And then what's going to help me help other people in the future? And then like exactly it down along the way is only going to is definitely going to help you help people in the future also because you exactly. like assets from different stages that you can fall back on. Um, yeah. And then and then we have the whole agency starter pack that I'm that I'm basically taking my four and a half years of building an agency and putting it onto documentation that we already have. Oh, yeah, We're just that. going through the process of white labeling it so that people can plug in their own info like, hey, this is sort of my like culture. This is my company name like just you know it, it's it's basically an automated tool where you plug it in once it kind of yeah. just like tailors it towards yeah absolutely absolutely that's a that's going to be a that's going to be something man if i had that i would have saved probably thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars of time and money of just simply being able to know what to do when you're running an agency scope of work template you don't know how many pieces of software i went through to find the perfect template that connects with this and that and all these other things, man, if somebody could have just given me a script and said, dude, if you pay, I don't know, even thousand bucks at the time, Hey, here's it. This is going to get you 20% ahead. You don't have to worry about all this other bullshit. You just have to worry about landing clients and putting them into this like infrastructure. That would have been everything to me because I feel like I wasted uh, over a year just worrying about that and wanted to, 
sort of perfect the process and make it easy and make it seamless. So I don't have to do it manually. And now we've figured all of that out. We've been documenting it for the past like couple of years. We have literally, I mean, probably like 15 to 30 documents of just like breaking it down into little pieces that somebody could go through, have a checklist. Hey, I have a scope of work template. I have this, I changed this, I did that and have a, have, have their thing when they're ready to go sell or they have a client in the pipeline, they just hit the go button and all these things like trickle down into, into onboarding, onboarding project managers, onboarding clients, um, how to take payment. Uh, like, I mean, absolutely everything that, that connects all the dots. Definitely. Um, so that's like five or six projects you have like off the ground in progress right now. What's what's the actual count? Uh, yeah, I think it's so uh, the Shopify app we just launched, Timeline, that pro the uh, agency project, uh, AdBubbles, um, the public uh, reports app. Uh, yeah, it's about five projects, like five. And then on top of that, the the newsletter and the personal stuff that I don't I'm not even like mentioning the podcast and things yeah. like that. So yeah, yeah. That's uh, like but yeah, world. about five five different things. That's awesome. That's a lot. That's yeah, a lot. but it's all kind of like it all swirls into the same like pot in one way or another. That's what I think makes it manageable and bandwidth isn't too stretched. I mean, it's a little bit stretched. Don't get me wrong, but at the same time, it's like it's the whole thing about waking up and yeah. understanding that I want to just uh, work on certain things. Well, because I think they all kind of branch from a central tree or like a central route where it's the same yeah. with my, I have like four buckets. I have my I have my career at Mint Mobile, which is admittedly separate, but then I have Twitter and Twitter, it's all about you're putting stuff out that you find interesting, waiting for things to hit. And when they hit, you double down, triple down, and then you start to build mm -hmm. on that. So that's what came, that's, that's where Roast My Funnel came from is we were just, I was just getting lots of exposure and people asking questions about landing pages. It's one small part of what I do now, but it the way I wrote about it, whatever resonated. So then from yeah. there, I branched off into Rose My Funnel. At the same time, I'm, I love optimization. I'm always tweaking and I love testing. And I, I, with websites, if you're sending a thousand people to your site and you're not testing, you lose a, a chance to learn. So, um, right. so same with Twitter profiles, you could AB test them, but nobody does. Um, so if you built a tool for it and you suggested easy ways for people to AB test, like you provided profile image, um, changing in the tool. So like you could add a circle or you could add, change the background color in the tool, or you could change your, uh, your timeline photo. So it shows like, follow me with an arrow or it shows the latest followers. Like you can aggregate mm -hmm. all that data, but that all also ties back to Twitter. So like yeah. there, there's, they're different, but there's a common connector. There's a common like through line that can bring them, like can kind of sew them all together over time. Exactly. Exactly. And I wanted to ask you, what, what, what have you seen as the most challenging thing about like audience building and Twitter in your experience? Because I feel like you went from, I, I still feel like I remember it just went from like trying to figure out how to approach the, you know, the writing side of things, being consistent, doing all these things. And I feel like one day you just text and you'd be like, dude, I just got like crazy amounts of followers. I posted this thread. It just went absolutely bananas. Like now I'm understanding like what people want. So what, what's been sort of the toughest part for you? Was it the sort of beginning stages or is it now just to keep the momentum and the, and the, I guess the level of, cause you put in a lot of work into those images and different things like that keeping that level of quality up so that people know what to expect. So I don't know what works and what doesn't because um, right. who knows? it seems a lot like who knows. And then uh, the hardest thing is, is not, not like, so 
my goal this whole year was to follow my energy and follow, like do more of things that give me energy and less of things that don't. So Twitter can give me energy, but it can also suck it out of me because there's other people that I'm friends with that have grown 40,000 followers in half the time, like five uh-huh. or 10 people have done that that I know of. So like my progress is very steady and very slow in comparison uh, with right. like how, how I'm focused on growth and not just on, not just on being there in presence. I want to grow. So right. I wouldn't say it's fast growth, but it's been steady. And then uh, the hardest part is is trying to frame other people's rapid growth as like as trying to learn from it, um, right? While also like finding the wins in my own growth, whatever path I'm on. So roast my right. energy is good because then I can I can I can get more value out of where I'm at with five thousand followers and also give more value in the, like, at the same time with this one thing. Even though I'm not huge and I haven't blown up, there's still enough exposure to draw like a little bit of side hustle like project work Mm -hmm. it doesn't consume Mm -hmm. me or or like bog me down with tasks um Mm -hmm. and it's asynchronous which is the best part because with a family um and i know you know like with all the projects you have going on you can't like asynchronous is the best when you're not tied to a specific deliverable time you just you give it back within a range and then that that's how you do it so hardest part on on twitter has been uh staying positive and finding like the energy in there and you have to just like i said with workouts like if i get bogged down I, i move to something else same with uh, Twitter content. Like I get tired of something instead of bailing on the whole thing. I just find a new angle to approach stuff with that is exciting. And then I pursue that even if it doesn't. That's work sick. Well. That's awesome. I really, really love that. And what made you, uh, what, what is really the thing that made you want to start building your audience? Was there a trigger point where you're just like, I just want to start doing this or, or what, what, yeah. what happened there? So two things. One is like, so in my, just in my, like I said, in my, in my work, I love optimization. I like building and being hands-on and I, mm-hmm. I, I reached a point where our company's big enough and I, uh, you know, I grew a big enough team that I wasn't doing a lot of the hands-on work. And so we were, and I delegated a lot of like this, the direction on different parts of our, of my, my like programs to different people on my team. So I had more, um, like long-term, uh, planning, but very little like this month or this week, I'm going to get some, some dopamine feedbacks I, that was just missing. So that's just there in the background while I'm hearing, uh, it was like a few, my first million podcasts where Sean, uh, Sean and Sam were talking about growing on Twitter and Sean had talked about writing viral tweets that went viral, grow all these followers. So I was like, Oh, that's interesting. So there's a, there's clearly like a, um, a high return on time potential on Twitter. Um, right. And then secondly, is they were talking about, I think it was Ryan Holiday or someone else, like about the value of building a personal brand and then building branded products that are separate from that. Because a lot of people, like if you did like uh, like the the Zlotko product agency, then you're stuck there. You can't sell it. You can't do anything with it. Right. But if you're Zlotko with your your own personal brand and you launch things, that thing you launch still benefits from your presence. So there's and there's clearly like a huge deep benefit if you have a big reach with a big audience. And, and, and that also goes for hiring. So even at my job now, sometimes we struggle to find great uh, people to fill the roles on our team. So if I had a follower, uh, an audience of size X or Y, if you had a hundred thousand people following you, it seems, it seems plausible that hiring suddenly becomes much easier. Or if you have like an obscure question or obscure need, people have relied on you. You've given value for free all this time. And, um, uh, and a hundred thousand is freaking huge. I mean, I think part of the value of the roast my funnel is that at, if I'm at 50,000 followers I'm doing, and we're doing like a one-on-one video, there's a sense of celebrity for the person getting the video, even though yeah. they pay for it. It's like, Oh, this person's speaking directly to me about my site, like a personal podcast style. Um, mm-hmm. 
So, uh, so for all that, all those reasons, it should be easier to hire someone also, or if you're going to start a new project and you need a tech, you need like a technical co-founder or designer, it should be easier to find that person because you have this well of 10, 20,000 people. So at my current rate, I'm hoping to get 10,000 followers by the end of the year. And, you know, but in three years, if I only had 40,000 followers, that's massive. And I'm way ahead in three years, I'm way ahead of where I am now, uh, than I would be if I didn't do any Twitter stuff and instead, uh, spent that spare time just learning like I always do, but not writing. Right. That it turns right, like a right. small marginal increase on the time I'm already spending learning, but it adds like That's a amazing. lot more upside. You have an, you have an amazing, uh, um, view on that. And I, I really appreciate that dude, because I think there's a lot of, um, a lot of people who don't connect the dots like that. And I feel like myself, just as I was talking about, you know, creating the, you know, I created an agency first, but if I created my personal brand and then just started doing the agency stuff. I mean, luckily I kind of, it's really weird. I created my personal brand on like Upwork and then Upwork was my deal funnel for everything else that I was doing on the agency side, but that didn't lead into anything else. Like that didn't lead into, uh, you know, me building products that just led to a deal flow for the agency, which is great because we've done zero paid marketing, zero outbound reads, zero cold emails, like never touch that stuff uh, because I didn't need to luckily, but I can see where people that just start an agency tomorrow and say, Hey, I need to go get clients. Well, you need to go hustle. You need to go figure out ways to get those clients, whether you're you know, paying paid ads usually don't real work really well for agencies. So, you know, you got to go out and create relationships and word of mouth and people start trusting you and all these other things where luckily for me, I had built that up before, but that's where I saw the value clicking. And I said, well, if I could do that for this, imagine what I could do when I have multiple products and I'm serving kind of the yeah. same industry in a way, but different, different levels. One's e-commerce, one's productivity, one's this, they all sort of work within the same wheelhouse one way or another, but they're different different uh audiences i guess totally yeah yeah there's there's huge potential there um how long have you been like on twitter with a like a real focus there does it start this year since april since april okay yeah same time so same time as me basically yeah same same the same time and and for me um again i had a very i had a very hard time or still somewhat do figuring out sort of that because i'm working on so many things uh Figuring yeah. out that medium of like what is really valid because I can share stuff about SaaS, which is great. I can share stuff about agency stuff, that's great too. I can share things about both and how they work together. But um, for me, I think it's going to be more of like the building process of you know now using some of this like audience that I built up. Like, hey, now we can probably have a much better product hunt launch when we do that. We can have a much better newsletter. We can have a much better this. So it starts to kind of mutate into this like single, like big funnel of, you know, the audience now that, like you said, you provide value to them. And then when it's time to kind of knock on that door and be like, hey, I need everybody to go like something or need to like support this or, you know, whatever it is, there's a good chance that a lot of those people, not everybody will go end up, you know, answering yeah. that phone call type of thing. And which is, which is great. But and at the end of the day, I have no expectations. I, to me, at the end of the day, Twitter is just literally a place for me to share, decongest my brain and hopefully help one person out with their journey. And if I do that, I feel like I, I don't care if I, I honestly don't care if I have 20,000 people or 50,000 or 10,000 is just the, the magnitude of how many people that's helping. That's, that's what really matters. I totally agree. And that, that helps get, that helps like keep momentum in Twitter over time. Even when everyone I'm like, even when I, my feed blows up with people that are like, I went from zero to 50,000 in the last 30 days or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, I, 
uh, so that that's like a long-term strategic benefit of staying on Twitter and like right. helps decisions day to day to like orient towards growth more than other things. But also yep. like, it's crazy how you're able to just jump in conversations with people that you'd otherwise have no, like you, you're like, Oh, we have very similar interests, but the way our worlds align is not at all. Like I'd never meet you in real life, but we have, we right. have a lot of overlapping interests. We both like to build shit, which is my favorite. Yep. Um, wanting yep. to meet people that just are out there putting out new shit one way or the other. Yep. So, um, yep. so that, that got me ex- excited meeting you and then meeting all these other people because and other people who are building an audience on Twitter are by default builders, all of them, because they're building exactly. something. It's not software, but they're building an audience and they're building a persona. That's the, commonal, that's the commonality right there. Yeah, yep. exactly. So there's automatically you have something in common and we could all nerd out about Twitter, but it, but like it's, it is crazy how you can just jump in conversations and contribute to, with people that are like way outside your reach normally or people like you yeah, otherwise the the way I, the way i look at twitter is like one big group text message and you're throwing stuff out there and then somebody's like oh yeah i agree with that cool nice well done kenny or well done yeah. or you know whatever and it's like you keep this feed just keeps rolling and rolling and rolling and if you catch the right person at the right i always say there's three things that need to happen the content needs to be good the timing needs to be right and the right person needs to read it if you get those things you can literally do one tweet and and have a, a, a tremendous amount of growth and just get people to be like well what the fuck did this person say but my thing is what i believe is the real um, I think the real benefit of something like that is, I think you, you've done this really, really well. Um, I think Brian has as well, is the, you, you're building this library. You're, you're just, hey, hopefully people like it. And if they don't, they're just going to see this library at some point. That's kind of the way I approach my SaaS business, to be honest with you. I'm just right now building. I'm just sitting here stacking, 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 stacking. One day it's going to come. Something may go one way or another. Maybe a tweet goes crazy. Maybe this goes crazy. And then people could go back and be like, oh, this person's not a bullshitter because they've been built, like they have shit built. Like their stuff actually working already and they're just talking about it and sharing it. There's, I think that's where the trust and the the authenticity and like the, the real value really comes in because just simply that tweet about Upwork, what you said, and you made a really yeah. good point. You're like, dude, I don't see that much content about Upwork. I didn't even think about that. I literally sat there and I'm like, I need to talk to people about like how I built my Upwork profile because it was a little bit out of the ordinary, right? Like use the RSS Slack feed, this and that, just try to get jobs. You know, it's, it's one of those things. And then when I when I kind of put that together, I was like, well, hopefully this helps one person. And I went to dinner with my girlfriend and our friends and our, my phone just, I felt like it was just going to explode at the table. I'm like, what the fuck is going on? And I looked down, I was like, 500 people like what the fuck i had no clue but the best dude it i love i love the dopamine rush but then i was like whoa and then you look at the dms and people are like can you help me with this can you help me with upwork because they see that i've been talking about freelance stuff agency stuff like i've been talking about it and i think that's where people miss the point it's like keep showing up keep building that library because every time you make a new book people see all the other books one way or another yeah that's a really good point uh, and with, yeah. uh, with going, like having something that, that takes off. So you got like over 2000 likes, like a bunch of followers. Um, like, a lot of DMS, dude, people asking me, I mean, I've got like sitting emails of people asking me like, Hey, how do I get started? Where do I like all these other things? Huge. And I'm sitting, yeah. Uh, yeah, you know, and it's like, that's the, that's, I feel like it's not the fl- Cause I saw somebody the other day, man, get like 4,500 likes on one of his tweets. And I think he had like 800 followers at the time. 
And I look and he's gone up like maybe a hundred followers. And I'm like, wait, 4,500 tweets like, or, or likes, but that there was no correlation. That was just a, that was a hot tweet. That's one of those like isolated situations. And people went back and if they checked or didn't check, they just maybe liked it because it was nice and short and he clicked on it and that was it. Yeah. But for me, the big thing was like, I don't care if it was 200 or 300 people. The fact that the response, like, man, no joke. I get DMs, messages, telegrams, whatever it is. Like, dude, this shit really helped. And I'm like, that's that's what counts to me. That's the part that counts because that's why I'm doing it is to help the next person. And so when they look at the content library, they're just like, man, you've just been talking about this for a while. Like, of course, I'm going to like follow you or reach out to you if I need help yeah. or anything. Yeah, with, with and with you know, there's kind of a correlation to mid mobile because we talk about it like I think uh, we talk about it as like the five year overnight success because like you said, like, yeah, came out of nowhere, blah blah blah. But like we were, the brand had been there around for four years. I'd been working on it for two, some, two and a half. Uh, not an there's no such thing as an overnight success. You're over there quietly doing your thing, sticking to your your values and who you are, and just stay there. Yep. Keep trying to improve and trying to read. Like don't. Don't go outside your boundaries, but keep changing the way that you're operating within the boundaries to reach new exactly. audiences and get bigger. And then one day it's like, boom, who you are just suddenly clicks. You found like personality market fit and you blow up. That's a personality that's- market fit, dude. Yeah. That's fucking gangster ass phrase. You need to fucking create a domain name or something for that. That's really fucking awesome. I love that. No, man, that's that's exactly what it is. And that's why I, uh, you know, um, I, I mean, simply to that point, you said admit mark, uh, in, admit you, you know, five years or whatever it is. I mean, dude, I've been doing this whole Upwork thing since 2018, right? Or, or I should say 2016 technically, but it took me, you know, some time to get to that level. I feel like that's been sort of my momentum recently is like go back two, three years of what you were doing then and how things have changed yeah. because most people are still three years back in their journey that are at least listening to what I'm talking. Yeah. Or at least there's definitely tons of people who are for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of interesting because I started working at Mint then around the same time you started going on uh, on Upwork. So a lot of the things I'm writing about now are based on my last four years, five years of experience and same with you. And so like, yeah. how we're spending our time now is how this is what, what we're doing today is what we're going to write about in a few years. And exactly. Like, as we keep getting better and better at whatever it is, this is what we're going to write about. So is this the kind of thing we want to stick with long enough to then like be retrospective about and share insights from? Uh, probably another good like model to think about how you want to spend your time today. Exactly. And, and that's, and I, I love what you said is like, you, you think about how you're spending your time with time that you have and what kind of business you want to start because you don't, you have a family, you have to think about that. You don't want to put all your time into deadlines and all these other things. And I think that's what the beautiful part about it is, is that you, you give yourself that space. So you, you have a job, you have income coming in, you have all these yeah. things. And now you give yourself that space to say, what makes me really tick every single day? If it's CRO stuff for the next, that this is, this is where I think a lot of people um, don't think about it this way. I've been doing my agency for four and a half years. If I turn around tomorrow and I say, I don't want to do that anymore and I want to do something else, I can. Like, yeah. that's the, like, yeah. you can, that's why you did the thing is to just say, hey, I really like CRO stuff. I want to start an agency. But you can easily just say, hey, that's not for me anymore. Somebody else either run it or I'm just going to get rid of it and I'm going to move on to the next thing that, that I've already started and I've been yeah. working on and that excites me now. And I feel like people get stuck in this place of, 
I need to do this for the next 10 years. It's like, dude, no, you don't. Like you really don't nowadays. You can go jump from one thing to another every couple of years, just like same thing people do with jobs, right? People, I mean, what is it? Two, three years, people go to a job. Now with work from home, people are going six months. Oh, they're paying me more. I'm going to go here. What, if As an entrepreneur, you have every right to do the same exact thing as long as you know you keep keep kind of the cash coming in and you can fund that. Yeah, yeah. And outside Twitter, that the whole like uh, the message of, like, don't start a business that you're going to work in 80 hours a week with no escape plan, like a service, like a hardcore service based agency. Uh, yeah. you're not building a business. You just like, you're just working. You just built yourself a new job. Uh, That's right. A new, a new job. That's exactly what it is. Like, but that, and, and then the other thing is like starting a business is so risky. They all failed, blah, blah, blah. It's a big leap of faith. It's all like lose all your money. That kind of thinking uh-huh. also doesn't live on Twitter. It, that, I think that's the paradigm outside of Twitter, at least like things I'm exposed to before I joined a year ago. Right. That's kind of, that was kind of the thinking, but talk, I mean, let's talk in six months and see how I do, but it, it feels like that's not the case. There's plenty of ways to potentially with the right focus and leverage to make like to, 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 to equal your income while you're working full time. So that it's like, Oh, I'm doing like, you know, a small number of hours every week or month, like compared to my full-time job, but I'm making as much money. If I, if I leave my, my full-time job to focus just on this side thing, I'll do like do way better or, I'll just leave it, make the same amount, but have a more free life. It's up to you, really. Which has exactly. So that's exactly. kind of where we're, we're pinning like rose my funnel on a certain price point to like value our time at a certain at a certain level. Um, yeah, because that's where we want to be. Like that, if it doesn't match our goals and we can't, it doesn't work for that price, then we'll find something else. Um, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And pivoting and being flexible like that is what I think makes everything so much more exciting. Is that you don't feel. Mentally, when you don't feel stuck, you're more productive and doing the thing that you want to be doing. When you feel like you're not handcuffed to the to the table, like you said, you didn't build yourself a job. You just simply, hey, I'm doing this for the next six months. See how it goes. Eh, it kind of got boring after a while. I don't want to talk to people about people's websites anymore, whatever it is. Cool. Now I can use a similar format and use yeah. that for something else and build something and, else. So, And if you have an audience already, then none of those new things, none of those pivots start you from square one. Like, exactly. Think, exactly. Like, nothing was harder than going from zero to a thousand. Brian O'Connor said this a lot, like zero to a thousand right. is the hardest, but that was fucking hard. Like yeah. most of the people I've talked to, it took so long that most of the people I've talked to about my Twitter journey, I talked to them about it when I was less than a thousand followers because that was so long. It took so long. It's it grueling. Really, really hard. Yeah. It's grueling. So getting past that mark is a milestone all on its own to do it in time. Um, yeah. So, uh, and then if you have that, while everything else is going on, like I don't, it doesn't seem like it. I don't want it to be my consuming thing, but building it over time while I'm doing other things that excite me, and then want, jumping on opportunities that present themselves in Twitter from that content work, audience building work. Um, it's all gravy. It's been it's been a ride. So I'm absolutely. I'm Are you joining any other like cohorts or courses or anything around this topic? No, I'm not planning to. I think I I'm no. like I like I've made friends with people that like when I first started were the celebrities of my niche like marketing. Um, I was joining cohort classes on Maven to meet other smart people. The content in the, in the classes were great references and sometimes good for inspiration, but really it was about meeting other people that were serious about building mm-hmm. and growing because the, the price yeah. tag is kind of its own filtering function or forcing function for people that are serious. Right. I still think you wind up with like 30% of the people in the classes are serious, in, at least in right. the audience building classes I've taken. Um, if there's another one I take, it's the one, it's audience building with Sahil, uh, Sahil because- Oh, can I present you some, can I- present you some very sad news it's not yeah. happening anymore i, I kind of figured because he had a kid i thought but um 
Yeah, so I probably yeah, won't I, uh, I don't think so. I had a I had a quick uh, DM exchange with uh, with Blake uh, mm-hmm. about that. I was like, "Hey, are you guys doing this?" And he was like, "No, but um, he's gonna he's in the process of making it sort of more of like a video based course type of thing, and mm-hmm. maybe that's a that's another avenue. But they're not gonna be doing a cohort anymore." Hmm. Okay. Well, yeah. Then I probably won't. How about you? <laughs> I love it, man. This is cool. Well, I appreciate the chat, man. Anything else you want to tap into? Anything else you want to talk about? I feel like no. uh, we got a lot covered. Pick up my kids. Yeah. How are you going to turn this into a podcast? This is like an hour and a half of, of talking. You just froze again, my dude. How about now? Am I better? Oh, yeah. There you go. How are you going to turn this into a podcast? It was like an hour and a half of 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 talking about so here's what we're doing here's what we're doing right now so we're gonna we're gonna chop up a lot of the clips and stuff but now our next uh next week uh i believe next week or the week after uh we have two three episodes in the backlog right now um so i think we're gonna be releasing those and then we're gonna have a whole week of just dumping all of our long form content all of our youtube stuff um dumping it all into uh onto youtube onto the channel create a little bit of, uh, of a system there and then turning in some of these episodes into shorts on actual YouTube as well. So right now is just chopping up content in different ways and repurposing it. That's going to be probably the absolute, um, like biggest thing that we do over the next like couple of weeks to make sure to do that because we haven't tapped into YouTube just due to bandwidth and YouTube, it's its own beast to manage and you know, like it's a, it's a, it's a job, man. You're taking on like a lot. And so a lot of the things that I have going on that I've obviously talked to you privately about, um, I kind of needed to make sure that I didn't, you know, I didn't put myself into a place where I'm taking on too many big pieces. I like a lot of small pieces. So, but now we've gotten to a point where we have uh, two seasons of episodes. Um, I think it's a, t- a good time to do like a, like a big, uh, big quote unquote data dump of, of all of this onto YouTube and let that sort of do its thing for a little bit, yeah. start gaining a little bit of the SEO traction. And then uh, using that also as a, you know, in the show notes, like I said, I want to, I want to get to a point where I'm sponsoring my own stuff. So using the show notes and different things to sponsor some of these products like timeline and all this other stuff. And kind of like, like you said, like threading that needle through everything and, and putting it together as one piece. Yeah, man. I love that. Are you, what about TikTok? How come you didn't mention TikTok? Uh, I do have some stuff on TikTok. We do shorts on TikTok, um, and it's growing a little by little. But uh, man, TikTok, TikTok is a is a whole nother ball game. I need like ten hours a week alone of just like creating videos for fucking TikTok, man. That if I didn't have anything else to do, that's the channel I would probably focus on. But I'm honestly right now, uh, again, I play based on where I'm at. Is uh, right now I'm I'm enjoying writing, man. I'm enjoying writing a lot. I'm enjoying long form writing. Um, I've gone back and reorganized my notion like four different times because my mind works differently. Like I feel like every week. So now I've gotten to a place where a lot of my long form writing, whether it's just me sitting here and just getting my thoughts out, I can now do a a lot more iterations and flipping that into like, uh, tweets or maybe even threads or whatever that might be. So I'm, I'm really enjoying writing, man. I want to get a lot better at, you know, uh, things like, uh, copywriting for landing pages and different things like that stuff that I can actually use and not have to hire people because I, I build a product for my own, you know, for my own self at times where I say, Oh, I I really need this. And here's the problem it solves. Um, So I want to be able to do a lot of that work up from, because I actually enjoy, I enjoy the copywriting side of things. Uh, I totally agree. And and copywriting is like a, a, another like high leverage activity where coding for me 
I've spent a lot of time on it because I, I started with visual with visual basic for Excel because uh, I was doing like ad reporting and we had to do like format all this shit and everyone was doing it manually. It took them like an hour and a half and my, my ADHD brain isn't going to do it every morning for an hour and a half or I, I'll, right. I'll get fired. I won't be able to do it because I, I don't have the dopamine. Right. My brain can't trigger the dopamine and serotonin and take the action. It can't. So the only way is to instead spend a lot of that time automating it. So I started doing visual basic and then from there, like later did Python and, and SQL stuff. But I never reached a, a place where it felt fast. It always felt right. like high return, but high effort also. Copywriting is one of right. those things that, like designing an ad for Facebook, like very low effort compared to the possible return. So I think of course. copywriting makes a ton of sense as like a killer skill that will be useful forever. Um, yeah. And that, that? Be- go ahead. No, I was going to say between between that and um, really good email marketing, uh, I think that goes a long way to capturing a lot of that side of things. Because uh, one of my big things, Kenny, is like with all the products and stuff that I'm building, um, probably won't be doing a lot of like paid advertising from that perspective. That's why we're talking about audience building that slow, slow growth and all these other things. I'm okay with that with with my products as well. I don't need to have a you know this huge dopamine rush and then when I stop spending money, it just like takes a big fat dive. Like yeah. I want to create valuable content first and then drive that into other compartments of my of my business, of my tools, and everything else that I'm doing. Yeah. So that like- that to me is. That to me is the big part about it. There's this thread out just in like business news about all companies being uh, uh, media companies. All, all SaaS yeah. businesses or everything needs to be a, a media company. The same applies to personal brands where like it's all the same benefits. You're you're creating content that's engaging and draws eyes and, and it provides value separately from the thing that you're doing that is going to get you paid or help you exactly. your lifestyle. Um, yeah. Did you ever read, uh, did you read Building a Second Brain by... Uh, uh, it's in Tiago Forte. Um, uh, I didn't finish it all, but I have it right here. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah. I yeah. listened to it. Um, I'm slowly trying I to listen to a lot of it too. Yeah. Day. Yeah. I, I, I got the Kindle edition also. Um, I, yeah. Uh, but that seems like a really promising note taking system. You mentioned like reorganizing your notion a whole bunch. Um, yeah. Have you seen, okay. So like, let me ask you a question for a roast my yeah. funnel. We are doing this, like the whole goal is to keep it low effort. I want to be able to highly leverage my experience to provide mm-hmm. value to the right level. If you're sufficiently like sophisticated, I'm not going to add value because you know what I'm saying. Maybe you just, you need uh-huh. problem solving. Like how do you get the resources or allocate the time with low money? That's different. Mm-hmm. But for people who don't know, like this, this person that we had as our first customer who just haven't been around, they're operators of an e-com business. They're not like deep platform experts we provide value, but I'm also giving them, we're riffing on the, on the call or on our like recording. So afterwards I just go through, I spend 15 minutes writing a checklist of action items, but it's pretty fucking ugly. So like, have you yeah. seen really good, uh, like it doesn't have to be complicated, but it shouldn't just look like right now it looks like a wall of text and it could right. be really intimidating. What do you think is like the right way to present something like that? That doesn't take a lot of effort. I just want to be able to type, but it looks like more polished. Are there like easy templates to follow? The, the- Man, Notion has Notion has a lot of different templates. Um, I think nowadays, with everything else being so noisy, I don't think it's a bad thing to be a little bit more plain text and do it that way. To be quite honest with you, mm-hmm. I feel like people are now more and more used to, especially if you know your audience is coming from from Twitter and they're used to a lot of listicles and different things that are like compartmentalized a little bit differently. I actually think if you were able to 
uh, share a simple notion doc with like bullet points and like maybe some headers like H1s here and there. Like this is your checklist. These are all the little bugs that I caught while I was doing yeah. it, whatever, however you guys are organize it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think that's really, really valuable, uh, in, in just a simple format because they can take that and send it to somebody else. Because if there's too much, you know, images yeah. and pictures and all this, and it becomes very stationary to that to that um, platform. And so if I take something like a listicle from Notion and I want to drop into Google Drive because that's what my team uses, it's a lot easier than to, you know, be like, well, Kenny formatted it. Now I have to share this and people don't really know how to use it. You know, it becomes this like thing. So I actually think the simple side of things is just like, like you said, same thing for this. Keep your, keep your effort very low, but keep it high impact because your, your, your bullet point. Yeah. The bullet points are going to be do, do the job just fine. And maybe do a couple, couple links to like images or something like that, or, or maybe have like a drawing at the bottom be like, Hey, these are the five things you need to like handwrite and make it more personal or something like that. Yeah. Why not? I mean, that's, that's actually like freeing myself to go even lower quality if that adds value. That's the most important. So if I have an envelope in front of me and I'm just going to, I can draw out what I want to express and then I take a screenshot and add it to the notion. That's fine. That's like the whole, Dude, you know what you should do? You should, you know what you should simply do is you can, you could probably do it through like a no code thing where you have a form that somebody fills out before they, where they send you all the information, uh, have them upload a logo and any other information, uh, zap that into like a notion doc, fill in all those blanks and they can already have this template preset for them. And you just go in there and type in the notes. Hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, the other thing I was thinking to do, because like we did this for this guy who reached out to me on Twitter and then yeah. I don't know, uh, I didn't know anything about his business and he like wanted five minutes on the phone to chat and I just pitched him this thing instead, like MVP style. Um, and he right. was like down, done. Um, but I didn't know any, we didn't know anything about his business. So like what would have been helpful, like to add even more value is to have him walk us through his site. Tell us like what yeah. he's thinking, what's he concerned about? Where's his anxiety? What's mm-hmm. he doing? What, why, like, what's his, like, how does he talk about the business? So part of the form, so like, there's going to be a form that they fill out after they pay, but that could also be like a link to create a loom of them going through their own site. Cause that would be, yeah. super. It, it's still asynchronous. It's only a little bit yep. more time for the person, but if I'm running my own website, I could, I could do a video of me talking through it all day. And even if it's yep. only five minutes long, that's more valuable to us, which means we can make a more valuable video for them. Um, exactly exactly and and sometimes i think uh keeping it you know 80 percent what they tell you and keeping it 20 percent, like adding your new flavor to it just saying like hey yeah. you didn't touch on any of the you didn't even think about you know how your email thing is designed or whatever that might be um i think that's a that's a whole nother a whole nother layer but i think you you could and i don't know how deep you guys go you guys obviously go from like homepage to like checkout and all these other mm-hmm. things um, I think the, the thing you can probably like uh, outsource as well or partner with somebody and say, okay, we did this part now, you fixed it. Layer two is like, let's fix your email events. Like how are those coming in? And sort yeah. of keep digging deeper and deeper and deeper down where you're actually taking care of their entire customer journey and not just on the website side of things. Um, and I think that that goes a long way because a lot of people, man, I talked to a lot of email agencies and different things. And Man, you will be surprised how terrible some of these big companies are with email. Even though they're making a ton of money, all of that stuff is coming from Facebook ads and they're really not utilizing email marketing properly. And it's so easy when you're on Shopify to make it, to make it, you know, I'm not saying email marketing is easy, but to make sure that you're catching all the right things. How much communication are you having? Are you using SMS? Is it necessary to use it for certain things? Like, so you can literally partner up with somebody. Yeah. Shopify is amazing for that. Yeah. For sure. 
Yeah, um, just partner up with somebody and then that Notion doc you sent to the person, be like, hey, phase two, email, contact so-and-so, and you'll get an automatic like referral kickback yeah. from somebody and say, hey, easy, easy $500 for me or whatever that might be. Yeah, it's kind of like the Twitter A-B testing, profile testing yeah. tool or the um, or timeline or ad bubble or all this stuff. There's a lot, like it could go deeper. If it works and there's demand on the first level, there's a yeah. second, third, and fourth level to layer on um, as long as we get it going on the first level. So like exactly. marketing or distribution is going to be the hardest part. I'm hoping to get like, if we got, well, if we, right now, if we get another video, another customer, that's great without, without the website. I think a lot of people would just try to get the website first, but we just took advantage yeah. of the opportunity that presented itself. And then, um, yeah, I, my goal would be to have like four of these a, a month to start. And I think if we're doing that, there's, op- then, then we're like at a steady state, we can branch, we can do a lot more. Um, exactly. Once, once exactly. the website's live, I'll, I'll add it to my profile and, I think there's a big change of like just posting and then the, some really brave, ambitious people reach out from a post where I don't say anything about landing page work. And it's a whole other thing to say at the end of your post and in your profile, I do this kind of work. The, I think the number of inquiries I'd get is, would go way up. Absolutely. And I think also even having an uh, uh, having a, like an auto plug set up through like Hype Fury where like yeah. certain tweets go to certain levels and you say when this hits like 500 likes, like post this like link. And then from those from that, you'll probably get a lot more. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. So, hey, I got to go. Pick up my kid, but let me tell you, this has been super fun. Uh, I, I get a lot of ideas from conversations like this, just being able to like hear what you say, you know, just conversation. So, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't, I don't have real life or like face-to-face chats like this all the time. I'd like to have them yeah. more often, but uh, I don't know. I, I think we, I'd like to make this like, we should just do it again. Like, let's try to just schedule another one. Um, please, please. I, I love this. If you have like a, if you want to bring somebody on to and riff with three people, dude, that would be even, even better. Maybe like switch yeah. it up a little bit. Let um, um, no. Let me talk to my buddy um, who owns an agency who might, I think would be a good choice. Like if I was going to pick someone that I, I could yeah. like riff with, uh, you, you're one of them. I think we have a good back and forth because we're kind of equally like ADHD and willing to. Yeah, very ADHD. So like, so if you tangent, I'm with you. Um, I would <laughs> just like that. You're a, you're a ride or die ADHD person. Dude. Yeah, more and more too, since like Twitter's like shitty algorithm has started to pick up on that. And so I get fed a little bit more. Um, yeah, it, I under, I under, uh, I, I under bias towards having ADHD earlier in my life. I'm making up for it now by, by keeping yeah. it in mind all the time because it changes the way I see the world and how I operate. And yeah. And I think we, me and you can talk and change subjects, talk fast and then change subjects and then change back and not get, not feel lost. That's not true. Exactly. <laughs> not dude, you, you, you really have a psychological aspect to you, dude, because you explained that perfectly. That's like three times I've told you that during this call. It's like, that's a really good fucking word. Like personality market fit. That was genius. <laughs> yeah, I love that too. I wrote it down. I'm going to try to write about it on Twitter. That's, that's example. <laughs> yeah. like, you just start getting amped and feed on each other's energy and see where it takes you. I think it'd be fun exactly. to talk about like what other micro SaaS opportunities there are and what you could do with them. Just riff on like like building products in the air uh, on like on a session like with my buddy uh, because we were talking about like what projects could we start together right now? I have like the four I mentioned, which I think is overburdened for the stage they're in, but in a month or so or more, I'll be, uh, one of them will be on autopilot. So yeah, uh, uh, that's that, amazing. That'd be, that'd be really fun though. Just talk about what we've seen. Like I did this DM me for a, a free, like uh, notion template thing. And it was so annoying. Cause I got like, uh, uh or no, like retweet and I'll DM you a link. And I got like 900 uh, DMs opened in Twitter, but all of them are just me sending people a link. And then if I want some people responded and they had questions or I want to start the conversation, 
But if I want to find those people, I have to scroll through everybody. And then like, let's say I'm halfway down and I click on someone, Twitter's DM jumps me back to the top and I have to go all the way back down the whole list again. For sure, I lost, like I just lost people. I don't know where they are, where they were, because it's too impossible. But an easy tool for Twitter would be like just delete all my DMs if I don't reply, or if the person doesn't reply, delete it because it's in yeah. the for me sending a one way calm. I don't need to keep that in my DMs. Exactly, exactly. No, that's really smart, dude. So I had I had an idea actually. I know you got to run, but I had an idea to actually start a community at some point where. Uh, because I don't have enough time or resources to build everything that I want to build. And I want to start a community where we can go in and we can uh, share uh, SaaS ideas with people. And if any of them you know, want to build it, we can be a resource to them to like guide them, advise them, help them with certain things and just have other people build shit and you know, have some of that credibility of like actually helping people out on like an authentic basis. And I think that would be, that would be really awesome. Cause I think the one thing that people are missing out on nowadays is that they're overwhelmed with the amount of stuff that they have going on on a lot of these social media things, um, such as Twitter and LinkedIn and all this, but they don't have enough time to sit there and think about an actual idea that they can build. And I started an air table where it, it lists out the idea, explains it, and also gives you like a rough estimate of how much money you have to spend to get started, what tools you're going to need and all these other things and i feel like you can start a basically like a community based on that where developers like first time early founders or whatever just join and say hey i want to build something new or i want to double down on something and then come to us and we just share random ideas like once a week and say hey here's five new ideas for the week somebody go build whatever that is and yeah. it could be paid community like 50 bucks a year or something very like inexpensive but then you're also getting helping people grow through like social and different things. People can start posting like, hey, look, I posted this tool that I just built with you guys and it just got, you know, 50 likes or whatever and helping people pump that up a little bit more. So it could be just like a really nice two way street. It's kind of like a like a pre product hunt, like an idea hunt, but for but not for like massive businesses. It's pre. And then so yeah. like the Twitter A-B testing thing, I was talking to my, this buddy I was telling you about, like I talked to him about it like three months ago. And he's like, oh, that's awesome. And he's also like hardcore optimizer. So of course he thought it was cool. But um, I never didn't really pursue that. It just stuck in my mind until this other guy on Twitter launched an actual tool that does exactly that. But it's it's not as full featured. He's an indie hacker. I actually approached him about buying in and like splitting ownership of his app because I maybe that's a better yeah. course for me than competing outright on a, on a limited feature type SaaS tool. This is something I want yeah. to build anyway, but like just hearing that someone else did it or is interested gives like just enough nudge to keep going and like push it even farther. So if you're in that's a community it. like this and someone like posts an idea that's on the same line or even the same idea as one I've thought of in the past, that could just, that could be just enough motivation to push you forward to like take whatever the next step is when you'd been like delaying Thanks. it in the past hearing someone else think the same thing is a good idea is like in a, like you know without ha hearing it from you is really validating and could get you to take the exactly. next step which is exactly the, uh, the motivation Exactly. And the other piece is like, if you have a really good idea, maybe developer says, hey, I'll build the thing and you do all the marketing because you have the following and all these other things. And we can go split the you know profits or whatever, 50-50 or equity or whatever. It doesn't matter. Um, I could, excuse me, I think that can go a really, really long way too. So that's that's one idea I had. So yeah, let's definitely set something up again. I love this conversation, man. Thank you so much for, for uh, coming on. And um, I know we've had to reschedule a couple of times because of personal shit all over the place, but I've, I'm glad we finally got on and we got to uh, chat and, and, and riff. And uh, yeah. man, this was awesome, Kenny. This is where awesome, you, man. Where do you live, Z? I'm in Sacramento, Sacramento, yeah. California, man. Right, right. I know you're down in Orange you're County, right? far away. Yeah, you're not like LA far. <laughs> No, no, I can, I can, 
Dude, I mean, one of these days, uh, I'll make it back down. LA is my old stomping grounds. Orange County is my old stomping grounds. I was in Irvine and Newport Beach for a while. So I know all the all of those places. And I uh, I enjoyed LA a lot more. But um, man, I, I should make it down and, and go have a go have a couple beers with you somewhere, man. Yeah, I, I don't drink anymore, but I'm down to go uh, okay. with you. We'll get some get some drinks somewhere, something. Get some Arnold okay. Palmer's. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'll drink some. I love my Arnold Palmer's, dude. All right, now I know you you got to run, dude. But I appreciate this, and thanks so much, Kenny. And uh, I'll make sure to let you know when all this drops, and then um, maybe we can set up another one with your buddy as well, and we'll go from there. All right, cheers, man. Later. Well, you made it to the end of the episode. Thank you so much for tuning into What Is My Brain podcast. I hope you enjoyed it and I hope you got some value out of it. Make sure you hit the subscribe button or the follow button to get notified when new episodes are live. I'm out. Thank you.